Karishma, your host on Half Ryan Toast. So in today's episode, we speak to a master of the spoken word. From law to television, he's kicked the ball of his career in a totally different direction and has been quite the stuntman through it all. He's a media professional whose diverse creative career spans over a decade in the media and entertainment industry. As a host and producer, he's worked on shows with Network 18 and Bloomberg Quint. He's also a friend from the same circuit of friends and a real treat to speak with. Here's welcoming Ayush Ailawadi on the frying pan. Thank you, Katie. Thank you. Uh, that, that makes me sound very old with your introduction. <laughs> I mean, we have known each other for like almost a, a, over a decade at the same time as your media career. So I think uh, <laughs> this was a long time coming. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So how's it going? How are you holding up with this with these weird times? How's everything going with you? I think weird times is the best way to describe it. It's a mix. So I mean, we're obviously going to delve deeper into it based on uh, all your questions. And I'm sure you're going to be grilling me throughout this conversation. <laughs> but but yeah, it's it's very strange times because most of my shoots, at least for the last two years have been maybe 80% of them have been outdoors in different parts of the country or the world. And now to be indoors, it seems strange. My family thinks I'm a little crazy. I think they're a little crazy. So it's a, <sighs> it's a fun time to be home and, and be caged at home and, and, and you know, innovate from your room. Yeah. Your room is pretty much everything. I'm sure you're in your room and that's your yes. studio and this is my studio. So it's a strange <laughs> time to be alive, but it's fun. Um, yeah, you're just makeshifting with everything. I've been recording from my bathroom to my cupboard to get good <laughs> sound. So I think we all are in that in that boat together. So, you know, you started off in the court of law and you soon found yourself in front of a cameraman and behind a green screen. How did that happen? Wow, yeah, no, you know, that's... That's really strange when we put it in those in those particular terms and it looks like one of those marketing gimmicks, but it's not. It's actually true because I think, you know, let's let's go back to why I went to law school and I didn't go to, you know, just any random law school. I know, I know a lot of people are doing a three-year course and they're just, you know, then they get the degree and then they move on and do something more interesting. Uh, for me, I did the five-year course. So the five-year course was a dual yeah. degree and those are those people who are set. It's like this cutthroat competition, very competitive people, uh, you know, people who don't want to help you out. Everyone is in this professional college environment uh, in yeah. Mumbai at the Government Law College, which is not very easy to get into for that five-year course. And everyone listening is going to make fun of me right now because the minute I stepped in and I went to Jaihin before that, you know, to junior college, and I never even knew that this was a law school, one of India's top law schools at the end of the lane. And mm -hmm. the minute I stepped in, I just thought, it didn't, it didn't feel right. Uh, and you'd be surprised. And this is something I haven't revealed. I don't, even, I don't even think my family knows this one fact. So this is all coming out on half fry and toast. It's a world exclusive <laughs> breaking news. Uh, but I did, you know, for those people who, who are the YOLO types who think I should have walked away and joined uh, some other college if I was uh, so disgruntled. I did. I left in a week and I went to Jai Hind. And I think I went to Xavier's and a couple of other colleges and said, hey, you know, I did well in my 12th standard. Can I leave? And they said, yeah, sure. You know, we'll take you in on BMS or we'll take you in on BMM or whatever you want to do. And I went back to my government law college and it, it operates in a slightly tardy, uh, slower sort of uh, circle of things. And I actually went into a college and I went, there's a cacao there. And I said, hey, can I have a, can I have, you know, a leaving certificate and some sort of approval for me to leave and get my mark sheets back? And they said, yeah, sure. 
uh, you'd have to wait for a couple of months. Oh, wow. And that sort of decided uh, my future for the next five years. <laughs> so I, I stayed there and, and, and yeah. you know, it, it, it was a love-hate, ambivalent sort of relationship with, with mm-hmm. law because I did meet some of the sharpest minds in my life. Uh, and there's some of the sharpest people here in Mumbai at the Bombay High Court, even in Delhi at the Supreme Court. Um, but yeah, you know, I I had I lived this sort of a dual existence because I was always, um, you know, working in courts in the day because at law school out here, you know, we start working from day one. And yeah. so by day, I was a lawyer or a wannabe lawyer. And by night, I was trying to cover up and sort of, you know, uh, explode creatively. So I used to end up at some studio doing a voiceover or a show or a travel show or making some sort of content. Um, and by the third year, I knew for sure. So you you mentioned, you know, from the court to uh, to a studio, that sort of a journey. Well, that journey was traversed over five years where every year I used to wake up saying, let's give law a shot. Let's give law a shot. Um, and in the process, you got two degrees, you struggled, you cried. Uh, you know, it's like how we were in school. And you never want to go to school as a kid. This It was exactly me at law school. But at the end of it, um, you met some lovely people, you made some great contacts, but then you were sure that this is one thing I don't want to do. So I ended up in the media. And uh, that kind of naturally happened through the course of those five years. To do that every every day and, uh, you know, wake up in the morning, go to law school, tell yourself, okay, I'm going to give it a shot. And every night kind of like moonlight as as a voiceover artist and just build your creative, you know, that's an outlet, I'm assuming that was an outlet for you. Uh, just sounds amazing. And how did you start off loving the media space? Uh, was it something you did growing up or did you just pick it up uh, while you were at, uh, you know, law school? No, so that's an interesting question. Uh, well, my sort of association with the media sort of comes in very early in life, all thanks to my dad. And I think everyone in my family will will really attribute it to my dad because he exposed us so early. And I want to share an instance with you. When it, when it comes to that association with the media or the media bug biting you, so to speak, well, that certainly happened at the age of nine. So that's nearly two decades ago. Um, I used to accompany my father to every top studio in the country when he did shows, watch him, you know, with a green screen behind when literally being babysitted, yeah. ba- be, you know, being babysitted, <laughs> being babysit, <laughs> what's the right word? Uh, yeah. I was, be- you know, they were babysitting me, basically. The producers were babysitting me. Um, and they used to back then say, oh, you want to sit in the studio? And they used to literally and make sit me on their lap and then cover my mouth and say, you know what, your father's going live in three, two, one. And I got excited. I thought that was like a Star Wars movie, watching everything around him, looking at a reference monitor and seeing my father with a green screen and the skyline of Mumbai or New York behind him. I thought that was fascinating stuff. What was he doing? What was his, uh, was he also an anchor like yourself? Oh, so I I think I'll take a hundred years to get to where he was, but he was, he was actually, he, he traversed his journey in a different time, obviously. So radio was the biggest deal back then. What we, what we're hoping podcast is going to become very soon was radio back then with a lot more reach because you didn't need internet. You ran it on uh, before FM, it was short wave, medium wave, and it, and literally there were no concrete structures. So the, the waves could reach all the way up to Pakistan, Afghanistan. So you had listeners loyally listening to Any you from uh, yeah. where, where he was stationed. Yeah, yeah and he, he was stationed in Ceylon oh, wow. in Sri Lanka. It was fantastic because he had this fan base back then. Our people, these are, these are people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, you know, older than our parents now. 
and they come from the smallest towns in the remotest of areas right and they still call him up once they get his number like a thousand two thousand people three thousand people call him up on his birthday and and that kind of love was was unparalleled i thought there was no and i wouldn't even say it's fame right of course it's fame but uh, i mean what what stuck with me was the fact that you're getting that instant gratification that recognition which which you can hold on to which i didn't see in law and perhaps it does happen in law i, I didn't give it a fair chance but it happens maybe 20 30 40 years into your career you know where you can really say that i am you know the og and i am the undisputed uh, top lawyer in this city country state whatever so uh i got fascinated with him then uh, but then when he came back and he got married to my mom he also um you know he was the fir- one of the first you know anchors on tv on doordarshan which was the only channel back in the day yeah uh, of course all of us have have been there seen that heard the tunes so iconic yeah yeah we're 90 we're 90s kids right yeah. so <laughs> you saw all of that at a young age but i'll tell you a, i'll tell you a, 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 an interesting instance uh, my first paycheck was at the age of 9 and when when you you know when you told me we're going to do this interview i i thought about it and that and that gave me a crazy kick because i must have gotten like a 750 rupees or 500 rupee paycheck which is a lot of money back in the like late 90s money enough for yeah. like crates and crates of coca cola uh, uncle chips and whatever yeah, yeah. the secret stash was back then yeah i just i just kept looking at it and i said wow and i said all i had to do was uh, there was a really cute kid who was very bad at delivering his dialogue so they said look the modeling stint is over and we didn't know you existed now you've come with your father and we've heard your voice why don't you do this voice over for pentel hypergy or some pen company and i did it and all i say was you know wow papa what a nice pen or something as ridiculous as that and i used to only go for those shoots my mom never allowed me to but I, for for those shoots and all those uh, recordings because all these media people mm. they they get a lot of you know some crazy budgets right so late in the night they call for the best food i didn't know what alcohol was back then but like all sorts of amazing alcohol and gourmet food and then they sit till like of course they work till late but they also reward themselves till very late yeah. so if my Constant mother is like uh, is like uh, just an open brunch for all yeah, it's like a, yeah yeah And, and 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 being you know being a kid who everyone's pulling his cheeks they're going to give you a little uh, you know uh, some yummy takeaway chinese food which your mom's not letting you have anyways so you can go and eat all that junk you can go and i love that and you come back with a 750 rupee paycheck you're like wow I'm you know sorry this for the rest of the year yeah maybe. like thank you man i'm retiring already so <laughs> so so i i was fascinated by it throughout and and fortunately i kept getting called and as my voice sort of matured or cracked or whatever it started sounding like an an english version of my father's my father's uh you know proficient in like 12 or 13 languages and oh, wow. uh, and hindi and urdu are his core languages so obviously we've grown up in south bombay so it becomes you know english we think in english first but obviously the country is much bigger than that and there's a much bigger audience for the other languages and uh, so i started getting called for these voiceovers and slowly for travel shows and then i said look yeah every it's just it's just naturally accepting you for whatever little talent you've been you've sort of inherited so let's get better and you know keep learning from your father and all these professionals and and get into these studios and and they bashed me they 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 tossed me around the studio any normal kid would have cried on every outing because then when they started getting critical of me like i used to beg my father to leave the studio saying please you know i i because yeah. they 
it's not constructive criticism for a kid. It gets a little disheartening because you were still that nine-year-old kid in your head um, hoping to get like a little bit of good food out of this. (laughs) (laughs) And the kind of pressure that that must have come with to perform, uh, you know, that just uh, at that age, I think, uh, like, I don't think any of us at nine years of age were uh, adept at doing this. And and that's insane. I, I can't believe that you went through that at such a young age. No, no. And Katie, the best part is that uh, it helps, you know, getting getting a vocal training in when you get onto TV or you're acting or you get into Bollywood or you're doing a net uh, a Netflix show. Uh, it really helps because at the end of the day, uh, that is one element of your personality that stands out. And I, f- I feel like that really helped because when I joined, uh, you know, TV channels after that, I started interning. They liked me. They offered me things. Uh, the BBC was like a school for me because around 2013 in my second last year of law school, uh, I got selected as a trainee there and they thought I was just going to be an ordinary kid. But then they realized this guy knows his stuff and he's very passionate about this uh, about this space. And they gave me, I was fortunate enough to get a really fantastic editor from London and she helped me out and a great team uh, who really believed in me. And, and, and they gave me the sort of work that I would be doing at the age of 25, uh, maybe at the age of, uh, you know, 19 or 20. So it, it really advanced you in your career very early on. And uh, then when I when I quit law school, I mean, when I got done with law school and I quit law, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, it just stays that way in my head. But when just I did that... story and you're like, yeah, I quit it. You know, I walked yeah. away to the I'm, camera. I'm, I'm Mike Ross. Yeah, yeah, I'm Mike Ross. Yeah, no, I'm the next yeah. Harvey Specter. Where is Rachel? That's, that's, <laughs> so, I think Rachel is currently in Kafirid. So keep, keep it... <laughs> Yeah. No, so so no, you know, that's the whole point, right? So when you did make that switch and then you realized that it was just happening, you this was your first question. I know we had a long chat on it, but it happened effortlessly then because then you knew that there was a natural fit and uh and everything was working for you. So then I in 2014 I started working with this uh, small publication which was trying to go digital. Um and they brought me on board saying this guy knows his digital stuff. And I and I had a great time out there. But it was a very short-lived stint because I got picked up by Network 18, CNBC. Uh, strangely enough, strangely enough to do a legal show. A show oh, wow. by lawyers, for lawyers and for the legal community. And I said, wow, you know, this is how, uh, this is how karma out. works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then I slowly started inching away from it because I learned a lot. You know, working at an organization, that was, that was my first. I, I've done a lot of, uh, you know, uh, complete commando, freelance sort of projects all my life. But then in 2014, when you take up a job and you're getting a paycheck and you have people watching you, a niche sort of audience that loves what you're doing, then you start respecting them, right? And and then you try to hone your skills and get better at what you're doing. And that's what I did. And, and, and by the end of it, uh, my boss at the time, quit quit the network, which she was at for, well, maybe as, as you know, as old as I was, that was as, as much as her career. And she was a very veteran, senior uh, sort of editor. And she quit and she said that there's this big, there's this big channel with network we're going to be launching. And, and, you know, we'd like to have you on board. And I was super duper excited by that. And I didn't, and I just jumped. And it just so happened that they, it was a fantastic Indian portal called The Quint that was tying up with one of the world's biggest uh, media tech companies, Bloomberg. And they set up this fantastic product at the time called Bloomberg Quint. And they brought me on board as an anchor and and gave me, you know, the, the sort of platform to do some crazy things that all of you guys have watched. 
Yeah, I mean, when I started seeing the videos you were posting uh, from the Quint Network on Facebook, from your coverage of, you know, related to like entrepreneurs, as well as what's happening in tech to then, you know, covering the World Cup with, uh, you know, the, at Russia, I was so impressed. <laughs> what prompted you to quit uh, the network and start off as your own like independent freelance person how did that happen no so Katie so you mentioned all of that stuff and thank you I'm glad you you like that stuff that was our objective when we were trying to produce that kind of content where we appeal to the millennials at least my mandate and in personally in my own head that wasn't a KRA given to me by my employers was that look there's there's tons of us like people like you and me and there's a dearth of good content for them. I think it should be bilingual. I think it should be relatable. I think it shouldn't be wearing a three-piece suit. If I have to wear a t-shirt and get onto a train and do it, then I should be able to do it. I should be able to vlog my way through it. But yes, with good journalistic practices and with good research and, and credibility. But uh, the Russia bit that you mentioned was not uh, was actually the turning point because the Russia bit was 2018 and obviously it was a big world cup it was a, yeah. for most for most guys uh, it's it's a dream to be at a world cup cricket or football football is actually a much bigger event it's the biggest uh, sporting event perhaps in the world and uh, and you know i realized that my friends were going and it was going to be a struggle getting leave and i looked at myself and i said you know what this is a great opportunity i've always been thinking about uh, you know going out there on your own and should i just quit my job it was actually on a whim but then I gave it some thought and I said, look, content is growing, right? You've seen yeah. what's happening on the digital space. Uh, you understand digital marketing so well. Uh, and so much is happening. Brands are aligning and people are approaching me with opportunities which are, which, which are, which are irresistible, but yeah. I, my contract doesn't allow me to do them. So I said, hey, you know what, let's give it a shot. And I literally, literally found the cheapest flight out of India to Moscow uh, ask uh, you know, ask some friends uh, to help me book my tickets. Quite, uh, quite a motley crew, might I add, that you went with. Uh, <laughs> That's true. It was very interesting and exciting to watch you guys yeah. journey around. Uh, but yeah, I mean that's insane. So then and you just went. So yeah. I did. So I, I thought I'll go there. I thought I'll go there, and and, and I'm, I thought of this series that I'll do, saying, "Hey, this is a great time to start your own YouTube career." But I, I wasn't, I wasn't brave enough, you know, to to actually do. I thought at the end of it, I did muster some courage to put up these videos on my own profiles. But then uh, I was approached by First Post, which is a leading portal, saying, "Hey, can you do a vlogging series for us?" And I said, "Yeah, sure. We'll call it From Russia with Brav," <laughs> and we <laughs> and we literally vlogged our way through the whole thing. And I said, "You know." what i will shoot this i will edit it i will do everything and obviously there'll be an editor helping me out in bombay and i'll send you the content i'll produce it but you know whatever i'm doing i'm going to document my life as the fourth dimension all of y'all couldn't make it so y'all can tune in to see obviously the matches are there on tv but you can see what's happening in my life and that's what a vlogger does and i and i i, I, I must tell you this katie i enjoyed every minute of it and that series did really well. Uh, yes, you know, my friends could have hated me because I brought work with me onto a holiday. But that was the first realization for me that, uh, look, man, you're freelancing. So every, every opportunity, everything is an opportunity, right? Every, every, gig, yeah. every gig, every content opportunity, you got to like hold on to it with both hands. And I think that's exactly what I did in this case. And, and it really helped me because that, at least in its community of sporting and football fans, uh, it did really well, and uh, somewhere down the line, Star Sports, Star Sports uh, noted that as well. So uh, it, it it all worked out really well, right? 
and also you yourself might I add a, are a huge football fan yes. right i mean who, yes. who which club do you support i'm sure all our listeners would like to know this there is only one club in the history of the world <laughs> which actually there's only one city which is the namesake of that club which is the city to give us the best band the best music band in the history of the world and also to give us well uh, the best football team in the world and and both of them go by the name of liverpool uh the band is of course the beatles yeah oh wow i mean I, from ever since i've known you you've been a hardcore liverpool fan so uh, <laughs> even seeing the coverage that you've done of actual matches that you've gone for you know to watch them that's also been fun so you know your whole your entire career has spanned across such an interesting avenue you know from interviewing uh, chefs like gagan to uh, you know also interviewing some really key political uh, party members the kind of pressure that uh, goes into really cracking down and coming out with interesting content how has that been like with with the loyal fan base growing as well no you're right kitty i mean of course there's that pressure but so i i realized this right and this is where i also feel that i got to be a little grateful for that uh, for that you know legal base or or bls llb base that i had because no no matter what you no matter what kind of well a hurdle you sort of encounter in these scenarios and you you meet the biggest of biggest biggies and bigwigs in the world in this particular career but the point is that look we are not we were in our 20s or if you're on your early 30s it becomes a little daunting or intimidating to have a guy who spent nearly 50 to 60 years of his career doing what he does and maybe he made a few mistakes along the way and he also received a lot of accolades along the way but it's your job in 20 or 30 minutes that that his pr team is allotted to you to to be responsible to be entertaining and also not to come off as a complete jackass so yeah. <laughs> so if you've done your research which lawyers really do like lawyers are annoying with their minute uh you know coverage and and attention to detail i feel like that really helped because i used to create this dossier and i used to go through i i i was like an investigative uh, weird sherlock sort of journalist who used to go through everything and uh, and then prepare myself and then convince myself that my uh, interpersonal skills are good enough to convince this uh, you know a 50 60 year old uh, perhaps uh, to be head of state or someone questioning the current political regime or the biggest lawyer in the country or the chief justice uh, in the uk or something like that you know and convince them i think that the that the president out there i think that there's a different term for their for their legal heads yeah. but no i'm saying i'm saying but you know whoever these guys were Uh, with due respect to them they also okay this is a very wrong example for me to give you but it's like when you're out in a safari right you did a you did a podcast uh talking about wildlife and you know uh, with varun in in safaris yes. now it's interesting because that example can come from the animal world straight into our world because you go out there thinking man that's a tiger right and it's this beautiful creature but the truth is that if you're scared of that tiger or fascinated so is that animal right it's exactly the same when you're interviewing someone really big because they know they're on your show there's a show called the IU show and they want to look good and they want to sound good and they're worried that if this guy turns out to be too smart or over smart he's going to ask me a question which uh, you know he has to answer satisfactorily as well so so it's kind of interesting because when the camera comes on and this is something maybe that previous training or inherently i picked it up from my dad 
I'm very honest with you, Katie. Like if you you've met me in social settings and people think i you know i'm not i'm the, i'm a very extroverted sort of a person but actually speaking i'm not you know i don't enjoy being uh, in places with lots of people but i do enjoy three or four scenarios if you put me on a stage with a microphone at a live event i get excited if you put me on a podcast with kd with a microphone yeah. i'm happy if you put me uh, you know the minute a camera comes on with with some lighting and i'm completely blinded by it i feel like you know i become someone else i mean i am myself Yeah it's like your stage right technically it is your stage it is where you perform it is your uh, creative expression so uh, and and living that and actually doing that i'm pretty sure you must have also been caught on the spot so many times would sure. love to know would love to know <laughs> some of those uh, you know just a few excerpts uh, a story that you would like to relate to uh, my listeners about when you were put on the spot No, it happens. Okay, maybe nine out of ten times it, it does happen at some point because you need to realize. Now, supposing you're talking to the founder of OnePlus or or you know the head of Microsoft, um, and you're doing this great, you know, this great chat. Maybe sometimes in a bilingual, trilingual format with an interpreter if he's speaking Chinese or anyone, you know, in any scenario, and suddenly you've literally gotten lost in translation, and your brain has conked off for five seconds. It happens to the best of us. and you need to realize that a microphone that we're on right now or a camera catches that before it's even happened so you'll be surprised that that you know so often you blank you know you blank out you completely you know space out and your mind is once your mind is just blank and you're you you want to say something but it doesn't come out and sometimes you're processing so much information and often remember this that not just in that stint now as a sports presenter or a tv presenter you're on a live stadium kd often and uh you have like 30 40000 fans uh on a good day and sometimes even more and and you have a producer who's in your ear then you have a director in your ear then you have a floor manager who's shouting out from the other end saying wrap it up wrap it up then you have the team's staff saying look we don't have time and then you have a player who's not necessarily speaking the same language as you he could be more comfortable or fluent in hindi or in punjabi or in spanish and yeah. you got a, you you got 2 minutes to fill that up and you don't get a second take because it's live tv wow. and, yeah. and 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 you're trying to process what an, you're speaking in english but a non native english speaking uh, person out there is trying to speak for you because he's being nice enough to give you that interview and I you just get Yeah, yeah yeah and you and you have 10 people in your ear just you know talking <laughs> random stuff and yeah. and then you're like oh my god like you know am i coming off as a fool because if kd was talking to me right now and kd just abused me at the end of that sentence i didn't catch it so I, and it's gone on live tv and i nodded my head and i smiled so i'm going to look kind of stupid right <laughs> Yeah and I feel like you just you just uh, described multitasking like to another level and and being tuned in to so many different voices I mean you make it look so easy on TV I must say and uh, when you're live you just you think okay it's all going so smooth for him and and it's just like they, there's no chance of a malfunction in any way you know uh so I mean that's a great insight a window into the world into your world and uh, really like enjoyed hearing that um but i wanted to actually also understand from you what do you think of all of us big city folk 
do you think we tend to live in a bubble and uh, when we ex- when we look at india as a whole the the masses around the country does it require a different approach you know from a content standpoint 100% kiri i think that's a that's that's a very relevant question because look you understand this space from a different perspective but as much as i do i'm sure because you understand what works on digital you understand what kind of stuff is selling on social media it's it's crazy south bombay south delhi i'll give you an example my parents uh, come from this sort of a, a a mixed background my my father comes from well he hails from bhopal yeah. madhya pradesh but then he moved obviously to he moved abroad to work and then he settled in bombay uh, my mother comes from delhi but it's where their families come from which makes it interesting so my father is a pathan right so now what is that he, you know you ask him he'll say where where hindu pathans and uh, and you'll say okay wow what is that thing and you start googling and you're like hey there's this small region in the northwest of what's now pakistan called uh, the northwest frontier province uh, which is like closer to afghanistan than it could ever be to india and yeah. there was a bunch of pathans who were you know hindu muslim but it was a community of people who who had very you know similar features and in you know tall uh, sharp features heavy voices very creatively inclined and i said hey you know what that sounds pretty much like us my point you know with that long circuitous uh, <laughs> introduction is that when i came to you know when you come down to bombay and and they set up a family in bombay and my brother and i uh, grew up in bombay in south bombay not very far from you but Obviously, we went to Campion, and it's a great school and a very posh, you know, snooty South Bombay school. Uh, you know, and strangely enough, you know, every time I travelled, I used to even fortunately because of work, you know, going on a rural documentary shoot in the middle of Andhra Pradesh or yeah. or spending time in 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 the interiors of West Bengal, or, you know, all sorts of stuff. You meet people, and you realise that, hey, man. Uh, you know google could be giving these guys wifi and empowering them but there's a need there is a, you know uh, an urgent need to empower these people with data because there's such there's such tremendous potential when it comes to our country yeah. and honestly speaking like i you know in terms of putting it uh, you know putting it down as a stat i think nearly 500 million people well by the by the year 2021 that's i don't know if that gets delayed because of the current situation we're in because everything's yeah. running delayed yeah. Uh, we're going to skip this year basically yeah, yeah hopefully so maybe so yeah. maybe 2022 and that happens to be a world cup year so stay tuned but oh, wow. uh but i'm saying by by 2022 2021 in a couple of years we'll have 500 million indians uh, consuming content online in hindi or regional languages now that's mm-hmm. that's that's a huge huge number that's nearly the population of the eu right um and 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 the english speakers are around 200 million of us and that's not growing so if you have an account a youtube account where you're do- making english content or you know working at a fancy channel making english content you're still catering to just that 200 million when potentially if you were making bilingual or hindi or regional content you had a much bigger audience you've got to balance it out you've got to you've got to hit the middle ground that's kind of keeping it fresh and and to your point keeping it relevant to the masses which currently is where it's at um with the tiktok uh, creator becoming popular overnight Absolutely. like millions of views and Absolutely. i think in every space in e-commerce in every space i think uh, there is a cap to when it comes to our english speaking kind of thinking uh, market you know and i i think that this is very inspiring for budding content creators hopefully who've tuned in and are and are listening to your 
you know words of wisdom uh <laughs> thanks so much you know for doing this and i'm so glad that uh, you could share your story just the way you meandered through everything in life uh with with just all the hurdles everything that came up and then have come out as an independent uh, you know producer and and everything that you do right now um you know sorry ladies and gentlemen but he's currently taken in a very <laughs> steady relationship with an other filmmaker who's turned lawyer uh but you all can definitely uh, the balance <laughs> the balance has been restored in the universe oh yes a new hope i'm assuming <laughs> so that's great uh, you know let's you know let's keep um the eye candy uh, steady but uh, <laughs> do check him out on instagram at the ayush ailawadi for everything football tech travel and more he's also going to be starring in a netflix original so keep an eye out for that kerry thanks so much thanks so much for having me man it's been so much fun during lockdown and and i'm a big fan of half fry and toast not just <laughs> not just the item on the menu but also what karishma daswani is doing thanks so much for entertaining all of us and good luck for this season thank you so much it was really a pleasure stay safe um stay busy keep innovating and keep giving us incredible content to consume thanks ayush thanks signing out